Well, this morning we're going to continue on in this series that we started a couple of weeks ago, looking at our values at our church. We have six values that kind of guide um, our life together as our congregation, guide the decisions we make, the direction we go in, and, and they become very important to us, and they're very unique to us. You know, another church may have different values, and that's okay. Um, these are kind of unique values that really help um, describe who Embrace is um, here in this community. And we talked about a couple weeks ago that what we value really influences the way we live and act in this world. And you, and you see the way people live their lives and deal with conflicts and make decisions, and often that's driven by the things that they value. And it's true for churches, it's true for organizations, it's true for families. And so a few years back, we wanted to really nail down kind of who we are and what do we want um, to really make up who we are at Embrace. What are our values that we want to guide us? And so um, I'll just give you a recap of where we've been, and then you can see the ones where we're going as well. Uh, we started by talking about Jesus at the center, and that's the most important one. Uh, last week, Christina um, just preached a, a wonderful sermon on church equals diverse family. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. Um, it's really, really important to hear, particularly in this moment um, in, our, in our history of our world right now. Um, today we're going to talk about our third, keep it real. The next one is that we're comfortable with being uncomfortable. The fifth one is that we're gritty Christ followers. And the last one is that we're neighborhood focused. And so we're going to talk about each of those each week. And so we're not kind of following particular uh, text in the scriptures necessarily over the next few weeks. Um, but all this stuff has really come from our deep study of scripture, lots of conversation and discernment. So today, um, I already mentioned our value we're going to talk about is that we keep it real. And, and I just want to say something before I get into it. Like, what I'm going to say today is like really important to me. And, and it's very simple, um, but it's something that, that I've just been thinking a lot about recently. You know, as I think about people I know and, and people that I'm connected to, like people are really struggling and really just struggling to keep going in life sometimes. And, and sometimes it's all we can do just to take one more step. And I meet people over and over and over again that are just really struggling. They have questions and they have doubts. And the sad reality is that church is sometimes the last place someone would ever consider coming to when they're in that kind of space in their life. I was talking to my brother in North Carolina last week, and, and he was just talking about He's like, I can't even imagine inviting someone to church in our culture right now. Because people just think of church as a place that's not really there for them. It's not a place where they really fit and belong. And I just think that's sad. You know, I think, I think church has often put up way more barriers than we need to. <laughs> and, and we make it so hard sometimes for people to feel like they can truly just be at rest and at peace um, in a community. And, and so a lot of my message is really driven by some of that that's on my heart uh, right now. As I said, I was in North Carolina last weekend, and on our way home, Laura and I were having a conversation uh, while Kai was sleeping in the back seat. And on our way home, we were just talking about and lamenting in a way how hard it is to find a group of people that you can trust enough just to be 100% real with. Like How hard it is to find people in your life or a group of people in your life that you can really just be yourself with. I'm talking about those people who can handle your worst moments, the people who can handle that intense doubt that you may be having, who can hold you in your grief and in your loss, 
people who are there for you and, and will hold your insecurities and your fears, people who are willing to hold it all, but all the good and the bad and the ugly. You know, throughout my whole life, I, I've struggled with some pretty serious insecurity, um, a lot of anxiety. Um, earlier in my life, a lot of loneliness and pain. And, and people who knew me would never probably know that because I kept a lot of that inside. I didn't feel like I could really share my inner world uh, with those around me. When I was young, I, I worried about if I was truly myself, I would be made fun of or I would look weak or I would be rejected. Throughout teenage and college years, like, honestly, my college years were some of the worst years uh, for me. I, I just felt really lonely on a regular basis. And, and I didn't find those spaces where I felt like I could truly just be me. And I'm going to be accepted. And I'm going to be loved regardless. You know, one reason I loved Laura from such a, a young age is that she really became that kind of person for me. Someone who accepted and loved me and saw me for who I was and wanted me to be me. As an adult, I feel like it's, it's almost harder sometimes when we get older to find those spaces, that kind of community. Um, this past summer, I told you all about in May, I went on uh, a trip to the gorge with some men. And, and we went there, and we just shared uh, some time together. I didn't know some of these guys before this trip, but it was a small group of us. And I experienced on that trip that kind of acceptance and belonging. I felt like from the start, I could just be who I was, and it was okay. Even as a pastor, I could talk about my doubts and my fears, and it was okay. I could share my, my joys, and, and we could share even love for one another in that space, and it was okay. And it felt good to me, I think mainly because it's so rare and so hard to find that kind of space where you're truly accepted and valued for who you are. And you can be your authentic self without fear of judgment or rejection. And I, I don't think it should be that rare to find that, particularly among us who claim the Christian faith. And my dream, my dream is that our church could be that kind of place. It could be a place that encourages people to be real, to be their authentic selves and bring their authentic selves to this community. A, a church that really allows people space to breathe, and to doubt, and to wrestle, and to question, and to celebrate, and to dance, and to cry, and to grieve, and to be lost, and to be found. A space that's really open to all of it. I dream of a church that's truly open-handed, where we just have our hands open, saying, come on. I mean, our name is Embrace, so it shouldn't be too far of a stretch to, to live into that. But often our churches instead can be heavy-handed and not open-handed, I would love for us to be a place that chooses to accept and love people exactly where they're at and for who they are. You know, for, for those of us who've spent any amount of time in church, some of y'all may be thinking, yeah, that's not what church usually is, you know. Churches can often be, and I speak from this as someone who loves the church, but churches can often be judgy, they can be very overbearing, be shaming, churches can be very stifling to people. Some things that I've seen, common themes in some places, and we can always, we can go down this path pretty easily. But in these types of spaces, sadness is usually not welcome. If you're sad in church for too long, people will often just tell you to cheer up. I've heard that too many times to count. Depression is often called a lack of faith. 
Often grief makes people really uncomfortable. Anger is not permitted. If you ever show any type of rage or just deep anger, you might get kicked out. Deep questions are often answered with simple truisms. Do you know what a truism is? It's just a very simple statement that, that may be true, but not really all that deep. You know, it's like, well, God loves you. you know? well, yeah, God loves me, but that doesn't meet the, the feeling that I'm having right now. Most things can be black and white, and there's often little room for gray and mystery. Certainty is the goal, and confusion or doubt is often seen as from the evil one. In these kinds of church environments, what happens is people often show up playing a part with mask on, you know, hiding their true self so that they'll be accepted and can be a part of the community. And in my experience, and this is just me, and I've felt this even more recently, sometimes Christians can be the hardest people to be around when you're going through hard seasons of life. Like, I'm talking if you're in a low season for a long period of time, sometimes Christians are the people you don't really want to go be around because you're worried of what they might say to you or they might not be able to handle that very well. Here's an example. I was at a funeral once. Someone I know was crying, and a Christian woman approached her and said, you shouldn't be crying because you are a Christian. And that's an extreme example. But this kind of stuff is... is is more common, I think, than we would like to admit. That kind of mentality is prevalent in Christian spaces. If you linger too long in sadness, then you must lack faith, and you don't trust God enough to comfort you. Churches can often be places where people show up with smiles on their faces, but inside are just full of stress and pain and struggles. And my dream is that church could be a different kind of place. A place that truly encourages people to be real. To be real, to bring their authentic self to the community. One of my favorite uh, Bible scholars, his name is Walter Brueggemann. If you have heard me preach some, you've probably heard me mention him. But he, he's done a lot of work studying the Old Testament and done a lot of work in the Psalms and the Prophets. And this is where I've really just been impacted by some of what he shared. And one thing he talks a lot about is that the writers of the Psalms, these poets who wrote the Psalms and these prophets, which they're very similar, the poet and the prophet, were people who would be brutally honest. They were brutally honest. And he talked about how they were folks who were willing to speak the truth in times of lies and deception. We're living in times of lies and deception, so I think we need more poets and prophets, right? I want you all to consider this. Go read through the Psalms. You could actually read, if you read five Psalms a day, you could read through all of them in one month. But I encourage you to go read through the Psalms. And the Psalms are the songbook of the Israelites. This is what they went to for their prayers and their worship music. Now I want you to ask the question as you read through them, do these Psalms sound much like our Christian songs today? The Psalms there's a lot of celebration and joy in the Psalms, but there's also a lot of doubt. There's violent thoughts in the Psalms. You find rage, sadness, loneliness, grief. Yet a lot of our church music today is really only positive and encouraging, and that's all that it really talks about. Failing to really deal with the harsh realities of life. I believe if we invited one of the poets who wrote the Psalms to come 
to embrace, if we could do that somehow, you know, invite an ancient poet to come. And, and we're like, we want you to share a song with us this morning. And they got up and they picked one of their selections and sang. There's a good chance they would sing something that would make us really uncomfortable at church. We may even lose some people over that, you know, because we're like, y'all let them sing that in church, talk about that kind of stuff. Because they're probably going to talk to God about whatever it is they were experiencing, whether it be something beautiful and joyful or something like a lot of anger or doubts or frustration. And this was part of the songbook of the Israelites. This was part of their worship life. I think we need to recover some of that in our church. I encourage you to read through the prophetic books of the Bible. That'll take you longer than a month because there's a lot more of those. Um, I'm talking like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Those are the longer ones that they call the major prophets. Um, They're only major because they're longer books. The minor prophets are shorter books. And there's Amos, Hosea. There's a lot of different ones. But I encourage you to go read those. And they're speaking on behalf of God in these books many times. And ask whether these sound like our sermons from today. These prophets were brutally honest. They talked about the pain and suffering of the poor and the devastation and destruction around them, used vivid imagery to describe this stuff. They called out those in power who were oppressing the weak and neglecting to pursue justice and care for the common good. If I invited one of the biblical prophets to come and preach at Embrace, I'm sure they would be labeled um, as being too political or too radical. And there would certainly be some people leaving Embrace after that uh, guest speaker. You can't say that in church would probably be a likely response. Brueggemann said something on a podcast a few years ago that I can't get out of my head and it's really always comes back to me. But he said church shouldn't be the happiest place in town but should be the most honest place in town. And I agree with that statement. Our third value at Embrace is that we keep it real and I just want to read what we have on our website as I, I still believe it. We wrote this quite a few years back. It says, we try our best to practice vulnerability and authenticity. We fight the urge to only present our best self to others by practicing confession and openness. Here's the quote again. Brueggemann once said, church shouldn't be the happiest place in town, but should be the most honest place in town. We celebrate life's joy and grieve life's pain. We acknowledge when we don't know the answer to the question. We rejoice, we give thanks, and we lament. We understand that our words ought to be backed up by action. Now, of course, we don't fully live into this, but this is an aspiration, this is a hope, this is a dream. That Embrace can be a church where people can truly be themselves without that fear of rejection or harsh judgment. I just want to ask you a few questions. You can silently think about them. Have you ever come to church and recited a creed, we talk about what we believe, and doubted whether you truly believe those words? Have you ever come to church feeling really low, and the words to the songs we were singing did not connect with you at all, or maybe even infuriated you? Do you ever get sick of people asking how you are doing? Because the true answer is usually not positive. Have you ever felt like God is a million miles away from you? Do you ever feel like God is intentionally punishing you or neglecting you? 
Do you ever feel overwhelmed and weighted down by the immense suffering and pain in our world? Does your love and compassion for others lead you to question some of the things that you've been taught in church growing up? Have you ever felt enraged by the injustice and oppression perpetrated by professing Christians in America? Have you ever been afraid of death, wondering if this is all there is? These are questions that I've heard lots of people ask and wrestle with. And to be honest with you, these are questions I wrestle with as well, often on a regular basis. Regardless of how you answer those questions, I want you to know you're welcome at Embrace. And I believe it's okay to wrestle and to have doubts and to be confused and to feel overwhelmed and to not be okay sometimes. You know, we are finite humans. We are limited. You know, we are limited by this human skin that we are wearing, and we're traveling difficult journeys in a broken world. And we're traveling these journeys that are often full of wonder and joy and mystery and beautiful things. But these journeys are also full of suffering and loss and difficulties. I believe all of us are searching for meaning and purpose and we're trying to find the divine and to find God all around us. And it's often very confusing and very challenging. We're trying our best to love ourselves and to accept ourselves in a culture that's constantly telling us we're not enough. Most of us are just trying our best to keep moving forward. And I believe church ought to be a space, a place that is really a spacious place with room for all of it. With room for all of us to breathe and to learn and to grow and to connect and to get to know God at our own pace. I think church should be a place that tells people they are loved and accepted more than it tells them they are broken and sinful. My dream is that our churches could be true houses of hospitality that welcome travelers on life's journey with open arms, regardless of who they are and regardless of where they're at in their journey. And I believe as we better live into that dream and we have that kind of wide embrace, then I'm confident that a lot of us will begin to have more and more courage to be more vulnerable to be more open about where we're at, to share our authentic selves with each other, and to be truly open to one another and to God. That's my dream, and and I believe I share that dream with many of you as well. And and my hope is that we can just continue to walk down that path and that that church could be that kind of space where people can come and realize, man, I'm accepted here, and I can be me, and I can share all of me. And I'm still going to be loved. And I think that's actually going to lead to growth and transformation. That's going to lead that grace and that spaciousness, I believe, is what facilitates true growth and true discipleship and true transformation into looking more and more like Jesus. We're going to share communion this morning. And we share communion every week. And I think communion is a beautiful image of what we're talking about here. It's what I talked about with Jesus at the center the first week, what Christina talked about last week of this diverse family of all different types of people coming forward together. And it's a beautiful representation of what we're talking about with seeking to keep it real and also having a table that's big enough for everybody to come and be who they are. Because I believe when Jesus hosts a meal, when you read through the Gospels and Jesus hosts meals and invites people over, 
He invites people to come as they are, so much so that people criticized him because they did not think he should be sharing meals with the people he shared meals with. Because he didn't ask them to put on nicer clothes. He didn't ask them to do this or that or, or stop being so upset or to cheer up. No, he said, come, my table's open to you and I want you to be here. And every week we share communion and it's a, it ought to be a reminder to us of how big and how wide and how massive Jesus' table is. Um, it'd be really neat if we could do communion about, around a big table every week. Um, and we could all just squeeze in there. Um, because that's really what we're talking about here. It's a dinner table. It's a place where everybody's welcome, where everybody has enough, and you can be you. As long as you're willing to come and not hurt anybody else, you're willing, you're welcome here in this space. And so Jesus welcomes us all to the table. 